turn to your turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter two, and we're going to start um, with verses one through five to start. And when you got it, would you just stand to your feet if you can, so I know you're ready. Mark chapter two, verses one through five. This is one of my all-time favorite uh, stories of the Bible, and I know I say that all the time, but that's just because it's always uh, changing. Uh, based on what God's speaking in my heart. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I'm using the English Standard uh, Translation today. This is what it says, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together, so that there was no no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof from above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Lord, I pray today that you would add your blessing and your anointing to your word. God, I ask that you would just speak to every heart and every mind in this house today. God, I pray that we would leave here different than what we came in. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. I love, I love this whole scenario here. It's, it's for a lot of reasons. But one of the things I really love is how it starts out. And it, it's telling us of how many people has gathered together just to see Jesus. It was reported that he was in town And he shows up to this house, and the Bible says he began to preach and teach the word to them. I find a little bit of irony in that, because if you read in John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the word. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then later on in that first chapter, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus here is teaching the Word, and he also is the Word. It's like a double revelation when he teaches. I find it very interesting because, like I just said in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. So this is the same Word that existed all the way back in Genesis that spoke life into creation. And it's no wonder a crowd gathered for this, because there, there was something about that voice. There was something about uh, what they felt inside of them when Jesus would teach and Jesus would preach to them the Word. It, it was almost like there's this, there's this connection between the Creator and the created. That there's this familiarity in that voice. That it's like creation says there's something within me that, that turns and burns. And, and, and it's like we, we almost have this reminiscing of when all this came to be. And there's this connection between the creation and the creator. No wonder a crowd gathered. They were drawn to him because there was something about his voice, something about the way that he spoke and he taught that drew them in and gave them life like it did back in Genesis. It's it's a beautiful picture that, that Jesus would preach the word. It always cracks me up when you read in Scripture and and the Bible says the Pharisees would try to trip him up and get him to stumble. And they would use the law to trip him up. You can't trip up the man who's teaching and using the word that he is. 
It's not just what he says, it's, it's his entire being. And that's why scripture is so important. If you want to get to know Jesus, you need to read the Bible because it is, it is like the incarnation in, in paper and in leather or whatever format your Bible is in of the character of Jesus. It's who he is. It's revealed to us through the scripture. It's why it's so important. If you really want to know Jesus, you have to read the word. You have to read the word. It's like... Uh, it's, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And so he's here, he's teaching the word to them. And, and it's this connection between the creator and the creation is going on. And it's drawing this crowd in. And, and it's like they know that great things happen when Jesus shows up. Well, because great things do happen when Jesus shows up. They've heard the reports. They've heard the stories up to this point. And so they, there's this drawing of people who are in need, who are hurting, and who are broken, and who need something from God. And in this story, we see this group of men, of friends, that are bringing their, their paralyzed friend into this house. Because they know that the Word is in the house. And where the word is, there's healing, there's restoration. The, the word that gave life at the beginning can fix life in this moment. This paralyzed man is brought to this house. The Bible says that they can't get into the house because there's so many people. There's such a crowd. And, and it really kind of almost to me speaks a little bit to the people in the crowd. Of, of just how desperate everybody must have been to hear this word, that they're not willing to step aside to let this man through. There, there's just an atmosphere of desperation in this house. You know, today if somebody were, were to come in here and, and, and have a need or, or something like that because Jesus was here, which he is, but if he was here in the flesh today, I would hope that somebody who is paralyzed, we would make room for him to come in and be able to be healed and touched by God. But this just speaks to the desperation of the people that they're not budging because they said, no, I have my need. I have my need. This was a crowd full of desperate people to hear and see and be with Jesus this day. They couldn't get in. So they get up on the roof and, and the Bible says they, they remove parts of the roof. They take a chunk out so that they can lower him in. Now, there are, there are biblical historians that uh, believe that this actually was a good chance that it was Peter's house. That's probably the wrong guy to mess up the roof for. Uh, it, he, he might cut you. Uh, if, if, some of you will have to catch that on your way home. Like, cut off the ear of the Roman soldier when they came for Jesus. Like he, He's the wrong guy to mess with his house. I, I can just imagine, like I say this every week, I like to put myself in the story sometimes and just imagine myself being there. And if I'm in Peter's shoes, or and if it wasn't Peter, whoever owns that house, sitting there and all of a sudden my roof is opening up, I'm going to be a little flustered. I'm going to be a little upset. I'm going to be singing like a good neighbor, State Farm was there. And hoping that an agent shows up and they say, you're covered. And it's, it's a crazy thing to think of just the, the moment where Jesus is talk, talking and all of a sudden there's this noise on the roof and it starts opening up and all of a sudden these faces look down and this man begins to be lowered down into the presence of Jesus. So much desperation that you're going to damage another man's home to get to Jesus. These are some good friends. These are friends who don't care about what it takes. They have a friend in need. 
The Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. Didn't say he saw the, the man's faith, he said he saw their faith. There was a collective faith that was in this group. It, it, was, it was as if this paralyzed man had, had lost all faith, had lost all hope. And it was in this moment that his friends had enough faith to share. There are times in our lives where we will find ourselves in the shoes of this paralyzed man, where we are so broken, we are so desolate, we are so uh, uh, worn down from life or whatever circumstance we are in, that we will need somebody else to have faith on our behalf. That's why what we do on Sundays matter. This coming together where we can pray for one, one another, lift each other up, be in the presence of Jesus. Because there are times in your life where you just don't have the strength to carry on. And you need somebody else to carry you. I don't know where I would be in my life. Because there are times and moments in the past where I have had these, these, these seasons where it just seemed like I couldn't pick myself up. I couldn't go anywhere. And if it wouldn't have been for the friends and the people in my life that God had placed there. And the faith that they had on my behalf. I don't know that I would have gotten up. There are times where you, where you have no strength to walk. Where although you may not be physically paralyzed, you may be spiritually paralyzed. You may be emotionally paralyzed. That you need somebody to carry you into the presence of God. And so this day, Jesus uh, saw their faith, their collective faith. Collective faith is so powerful. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am with them. And when you agree together, it shall be done. That's a powerful statement. These, these men knew what Jesus could do. And in their faith, they entered into his presence and said, Lord, we know you can do this thing. We have the faith that you can do this thing. And we are here today, so you will do it. Which leads me to being a little bit shocked and surprised when Jesus answers this man a little differently than maybe what they expected. Because you see, this man is lowered down into the presence of Jesus right in front of him. And you would expect Jesus to say, get up and walk. But what he says is, son, your sins are forgiven. That was an unexpected statement. I can imagine the confusion. Like, being there, expecting to hear Jesus say, get up and walk, but instead he says, your sins are forgiven. It's like, okay, that's nice, but that's not what I'm here for. That's not what I came to you about. Why, why would you tell me that? It's like Jesus, it's kind of obvious. This, this man can't walk. He, he can't move. It's, it should be pretty obvious that, that this is what we're here for. We don't need the forgiveness of sins. That's not what we're here for. We're here so this man can walk. See, the unexpected miracle is a miracle that you, you didn't see coming. It's the miracle you get, but you didn't ask for it's you're in pursuit of something and God says, no, I'm going to give you this. These unexpected miracles are wild. It actually reminds me in the book of John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. 
I, I think about this story a little bit here, and, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it. John 11, 1 through 6. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, this is his response, not what you would expect. The Bible says he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Think about it. He says, I love them. It's great. It's wonderful. And, and he's really ill. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay here two days longer. That's not the response they were hoping for. That is not the answer. That they were hoping, okay, I'll be right there and him take off right away to meet them there. And what's interesting is Jesus says this illness will not lead to death. And what happens? Lazarus dies. Like, this is one of those moments that if I was in the shoes of Mary and Martha, I'd, I'd be like, you said he wasn't going to die, but he's dead. You, you, I, we thought you loved him. The Bible even says that they called to Jesus, and when they called him, said, the one whom you love is ill. You'd think that like, oh, oh I love him. I'm going to hurry up and get there. If one of your loved ones was really ill and was on their way to go be home with Jesus, I, I don't think you would hesitate and take too much time to get there to be with them. But Jesus stays two more days and Lazarus dies. He does the thing that Jesus said wasn't going to happen. Did that make Jesus a liar? I think we, 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 see, we have the benefit of knowing the rest of the story. If you've heard this before, you understand what happens. He shows up, but Jesus shows up four days late total. Stays two more days and it takes him two days to get there and he shows up late. They look at Jesus when he arrives and they say, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus looks at them and says, he's going to rise again. And, and I, can, I can just see the letdown and the disappointment. And when she says, yeah, I know he will, at the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus says, you're missing it. He says, I am the resurrection. See, you, you see, like, there, there's this whole thing here. The, the reason they went to Jesus is because they knew he could heal Lazarus. They understood that. But you see, Jesus, throughout the Gospels, was constantly revealing himself to people in new ways. That, just like when he asked the disciples, who does man say that I am? And then who do you say that I am? He, he's on this whole journey of revealing the reality of who he is to the people he comes in contact with. You see, they already knew him as the healer, but Jesus was ready for them to meet him as the resurrection. You see, they, they didn't need to know him as healer again. Jesus was trying to give them a new revelation of who he is. He didn't lie to them 
He just worked in a way they didn't expect him to work. Isn't that just how it goes? Like you're asking God for something. You're pursuing God about something. And it goes totally opposite of how you planned it, but you still end up with the right result. I think the problem is, is we have too much of our plan involved in what God's doing. We have too much of how we think it should go in God's, in our prayers to God and telling Him how, okay, I want this, but I want it this way and this, this direction. I want to happen A, B, C, and D. And He's saying, well, I'm going to do Z, X, Y, W, H, K, L, M, N, O, P. Not even in alphabetical order. He's going to do it in His own order. That's how God works. He is not bound by our carnal flesh and our logic. The Bible says his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. I, we, we will never fully grasp and understand the where, the what, the why, and the how God does what he does. But we know that he's going to come through when we need him to come through. You, you hear this sermon preached in, in, in the old church and they say he was four days late but still on time. Come on. It's his timing. It's not our timing. You see, this, this unexpected miracle for Lazarus was simple. He, they've already seen him heal, but what they needed was a resurrection. There, there are things in our life that we try to heal that really just need to be resurrected. We're putting band-aids on corpses. We're, we're putting ice packs on things that are dead. And what God is saying, it doesn't need a healing, it needs a resurrection. It goes so much deeper. But going, going back to the paralyzed man here. The Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 12 now. It says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They didn't really know who they were talking to and about. And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Here's what I want you to hear with this. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. See, they knew him as the healer. That's why they showed up at this house. But Jesus was saying, you get it. You understand the healing. You know, the, you know I can heal. But I need you to understand that I can forgive your sins. And which really is the greater miracle? Like, let, let's... Let, let's put our, our carnality aside for a moment here, our flesh aside, because I, I think everybody here would agree that the, the paralyzed man walking is a phenomenal miracle. 
And you know what? The Bible says that they were amazed at that, but not one person was amazed at the forgiving of his sins. They glorified God when he got up and walked. They didn't glorify God when he got forgiven. It was the unexpected miracle that, that people forget about and don't think about. It, it, the unexpected miracle can also sometimes be the miracle that you're just unaware of. The car accident you didn't get into. The, the crisis or health situation that didn't happen. That you didn't even really realize was, a, was God's hand on your life. Like, I think about my life, and maybe we should all take a moment and think about it at some point. I look back at all the things that I could have gotten into, the things that I could have easily been involved in, that had every opportunity to get involved in, and didn't. And I wonder, I, I look back at those times, I say, I, I say, how did I not get sucked into that? How did I not fall into that? And, I, and now I understand it. It was the unexpected miracle that I didn't even know I needed. It was the miracle that I didn't even really notice that God was doing in my life. His hand that was on me that kept me from things, kept me from lifestyles, kept me away from groups of people that would have led me into things. Like if you've ever been in high school and and have ever experienced any sort of peer pressure in any sh shape or form and didn't give in to it, you should thank God for it. If you've been in your adult life and didn't give in to things that everybody else was doing, you should praise God for it. Because it is by His grace that we overcome temptation. There are things in your life, and I don't understand why He doesn't do it for everything. But the, I do know what the Scripture says is we will never be tempted beyond what He has already given a way of escape for. There's always a way out. It's just a, really a matter of if we fall under His authority and, and listen to Him and are obedient to Him. But there are unexpected miracles in your life that you didn't even ask for. In fact, you may have even gone looking for something totally different that God has done in your life. The unexpected miracle is a powerful miracle. The forgiveness of sin was by far the greater miracle. You see, we spend so much time getting so hung up on earthly things. We get so attached to material things. A, a car breaks down, we think our life is over. Yes, it's stressful, but you're, you're still alive. You're, you're, you're okay. Maybe that car breaking down is, is what kept you from being on the road at a time when a semi would have taken you out. It, like, we need to have some more insight, I think. We need to have a little more uh, a perspective on things in our life. I think when it comes to these unexpected miracles, I... I I think so many of them happen every day and we don't even realize it. We just have, we are just so blinded and so numb to the workings of God in our life that we miss them all the time. Like, what if we changed our perspective? I'm getting a little bit off my topic here on this one, but 
What if we stopped looking at those inconveniences as inconveniences and started looking at them as blessings in our life? Yes, there are inconveniences, but, but in every inconvenience, there's always a blessing. And what if that inconvenience was actually keeping you from a greater problem? I, I can't answer that for a fact and say that that is how it is. But I wonder if maybe we started looking at things a little differently. The flat tire protected us from an accident. The, the, uh, the sickness protected us from something greater because we went to the doctor and it was caught on time. The, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. It may not be true for every situation, but there has to be some situations that if it would not have been for that, we wouldn't be here today. It's the unexpected. You didn't expect it, but it happened. And we need to learn to glorify God for those things. We need to understand that, that in these moments where God is doing things that seem chaotic and all over the place, like I think sometimes we want to ask God the question or, or, or say to him, if you wouldn't have been here, my brother would not have died. And we want to change the words up. If you would have done this, if you would have done that, if you would have been here and you would have been there, none of this would have happened. We want to get like that about it. If we're being honest, as, as humans, as fleshly people, there are time, there's times in my life where I have wanted to be angry about certain things. And God, if you would have done that, this wouldn't have happened. Or why didn't you let that happen? Why, how, why, why did you put this person here and that person there? Because if they wouldn't have been there, this wouldn't have happened. And where, where is that? Like, like, if we're going to be honest, I, I think it'd be fair to say that at some point in our time, we have asked those questions. And God... Why weren't you there? Because if you were there, the reality of it was is he was there. He just didn't show up the way you wanted him to show up. He didn't show up when you wanted him to show up. He didn't do the work the way you thought it should be done. But the reality of it is is he did a work that you didn't expect him to do. Even if it was how he did it was the unexpected thing. See, you pray for healing and then you wonder why you have to go through so much to get healed. Why you still have to have a surgery. Why you still have to. I don't know why God still works that way, but we live in a world and a time where God uses doctors. He uses nurses. He uses process to heal. He, he does things different once in a while. We see it in Scripture. God Himself does not change in His character, but His processes and the way that He does certain things is always new. We talked about the blind man the other week. He spit in one guy's eyes. He made mud for the other guy. For some people, he'd just say, get up and walk. Some people, he would do this or that. And the, we don't even know all of it. We've got a very small glimpse of the miracles he, he did. But he, he like never did the same thing twice. It's crazy. And then we expect our lives to be this cookie-cutter life of this is going to happen this way, that way, this way. And then when a wrench gets thrown into everything, we get angry with God. Like this paralyzed man had, like in, in human standards, every right to be upset. Like that's not what I came here for. He had every, in, in, according to human standards, every right to be disappointed. That's not what I came here for. Like he could have said, God, if you're really paying attention to me, you'd know what I really needed. And see, that's the problem is we we think we know what's best for us. 
In reality, God's the one who truly knows. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?